Hey, everybody, welcome back to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. All right, today we've got Scott Andrus, the founder of ON3P, back on the podcast because it's been too long and because a lot of people have been wondering what exactly is going on with ON3P these days. So in this conversation with Scott, I think we're going to answer a lot of your questions as well as doing what we do and going through the current ON3P lineup and helping you get clear on all of the details. This episode of Gear 30 is presented by Black Sheep Sports in Munich, Germany. And we've got a few updates from Black Sheep. And so here's some of the info you need to know. First, their stock of boots is only going to last for maybe the next couple of weeks. So you should go ahead and get your appointment set for early January to the middle of the month Get that booked because restocking is just not going to be possible right now. So if you want boots, contact Black Sheep now. Another thing, this January is going to be Black Sheep's upgrade month. They have a great selection of aftermarket liners from ZipFit and CDAS and Intuition. And everyone who comes in for an upgraded liner gets a brand new custom footbed worth 99 euros for free and the liner fitting is free as well. So if you are in the market for a foam-injected liner or some EVA-like liners, then January is your month to go into Black Sheep. And finally, if that wasn't enough, skis are going to be going on sale at Black Sheep starting the first week of January. And so those are just some new reasons in addition to Black Sheep being a kick-ass shop, for you to go in and see Sebastian and the crew. And one other thing I want to do here is say a word about our Blister Summit in February that's taking place in Mount Crested Butte. You can find more information in the show notes to this episode or on the navigation bar of our website where it says Blister Summit. And again, this thing is really coming together. We already have commitments from Renowned skis and Rosignol and Dinastar and Forefront, Folsom, Solomon, Wonder Alpine, Wagner Custom Skis, Moment, Atomic, Line, and Glade Optics. And I promise you that there is going to be more gear at the Blister Summit that you are going to want to test than you will have time in the day. So maybe some hard decisions to make, but some very good decisions to make. And you know, We'd be happy to help you, and we're all going to be there, so you're welcome to pick our brains too, and maybe we can help you determine what the products are that you have to get on before the end of the summit. And with that, let's go ahead and get to my conversation with ON3P's Scott Andrus. Here we go. Well, 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 Scott Andrus. How are you today, and where are you today? I, uh, I'm i pretty good. I am at the factory on a Sunday night. You'll hate me for saying this. I'm pretty tired after a long month, and uh, I'm known for giving very tired-sounding podcasts, apparently, but uh, I'm pretty we've, good. We've coached you up, though. You've, you've had your coffee. Yes. 
Yeah. I had coffee instead you, of wine this time. Uh, yeah, instead of wine and beer, which is what I think you came on with. Uh, the, was that the last time we did one of these? Might have been the time before. Okay. But Okay. Yeah. So what yep. we're what we're going to get is exhausted but super high energy Andrus. Yeah, probably anxious Andrus. <laughs> All right. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's um honest it's, though. It's hard to it's hard to really <laughs> capture it, just uh the excitement that Scott has for doing these podcasts or maybe dread. I sometimes get the word dread and excitement confused. That's probably more accurate. Okay. I also know I, I can annoy you on them. So no, 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 never. That's never That's pretty fun. Well, listen, we've got our work cut out for us in this conversation. I think there are probably quite a few people who have been wondering what's going on with you and what's going on with ON3P you and I are recording this on Sunday evening, December 26th. This is going to be the last Gear 30 episode of 2021. How was your 2021, man? I think uh, I think like everyone, it had a lot of ups and downs. The uh, supply chain questions that are out in the world, they hit us hard pretty much constantly this entire year. Yeah, I mean, we're surviving. Um, you know, sales are strong, but uh, it's been a trying year and I'm very excited that it's about to be over and on to 2022. Um, so yeah, I think it's kind of been weird. We've, we've, we didn't really have like a ski line release this year. It's basically been a slow rolling release. Like even right now we have uh, Jeffrey 102s, Jeffrey 118s, they haven't even been released yet. So um, that's just a byproduct of a, a very strange and uh, uh, supply chain this year. So as I was telling you earlier, we're actually planning just to roll our ski line largely over for next year, just because there's no reason for us to make changes, you know, on a lot of stuff that we, uh, you know, would only be graphical. So, yeah, so I'm about as good as can be in what has been a pretty uh, trying year at times. Yeah, and I think, you know, you said, you know, we're doing all right, we're surviving, but I think to be clear, we might want to say, I mean, some of those difficulties have been supply chain related. Um, some have been maybe more family related, but like yeah. things are strong at ON3P, right? And I just, yeah. I think I want yeah. to like make sure people aren't confusing those two things. I mean, I know a bit more about what's been going on with, you know, so. That should be, I'm surviving. Uh, yeah. You know, it's definitely, our, this is still our, our best year ever. Um, you know, sales are up considerably and we expect them to continue to go up. I think uh, it's just been a mentally trying year in terms of like there's just a lot more stress in terms of managing the supply chain and then obviously uh, sort of like the elephant in the room is what happened with my my brother in the last uh, five or so weeks which if we want to go over that we can do that. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, so Supply chain stuff, we've just seen inconsistencies all year. So, like, there was a point in, like, this fall, we basically didn't have top sheets for a little bit. That's where, like, the trash can came about, which yep. is literally taking scrap veneer and reassembling it. Um, and right when that sort of got resolved, uh, my brother actually, um, who's our finishing manager, so he does, like, runs our finishing department, uh, had a heart attack while he was on a run. Um, so that was the week before Thanksgiving. And... Uh, not to dwell on it too much, but he's, you know, he's 33 and in good shape. So it was like not, not an ex, you know, it was not expected. Yeah. 
he was super fortunate. Someone was able to start CPR on him really quick and get him uh, get paramedics there very quick. Um, I think his he was uh, without a pulse for about eight minutes. Is our expectation like kind of what we've understood? Yeah, they got him to the hospital extremely fast and got his heart going again. So he is uh, sort of like a medical miracle. He was out of the hospital in less than a week, you know. But in that process, like he was in the ICU. Uh, uh, on a ventilator, stuff like that for, you know, four days. So it was pretty crazy. He's uh, not back to work yet, like he's, but he's like mentally totally good. And physically, uh, they actually don't know specifically what caused the heart attack. Um, he doesn't have any structural problems and anything. So there was that. I was dealing with that on the personal end. And then um, on the production end, obviously, like he's a key part of our finishing department. Yeah, and so figuring out how to manage that um, through yeah. the month of you know through Black Friday and then into this last month has been difficult. Um, but I don't know. We have really good guys here that all stepped up. Like I was out on the floor finishing skis too, and uh, we got through. And you know we'll expect him back to work sometime this next month. But it it was definitely sort of a very um, difficult capstone to like what you know. Things have kind of seemed off since COVID started, so it's uh, it sucks. Yeah, but he's alive and okay, and we'll we'll move forward. Yeah, so. and super grateful for that. And I don't know that you mentioned, but this is Jeff, aka Jeffrey, and for yeah. everyone who is familiar with the ON3P Jeffrey skis, well, you now know who they're named after if you didn't already. So um, yeah, all all our names are after people involved in the company in some way. So yes, the, the Jeffrey is named after him. So yeah, he actually commented the other day that it would have been really awkward to deal with that if he died. And I was like, well, that's quite morbid. So did, did um, Jeff have any, you. did he propose any, any new names? No, 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 he just led with that and was like, all right, let's not talk about yeah. that. So I'm just like, thanks. So. Well, yeah, yeah. that was a scary time and you, texted me and were just like, hey, this is what's going on. And you sort of were asking me a couple questions about some people I might know, you know, that are having expertise in, in areas like this. And um, so, yeah, a very scary time. And yeah, I guess what we can say for right now is as scary as that was, it's kind of equally like surprising and there's relief, an equal amount of relief maybe that that Jeff is doing all right. It was about best case for the worst case. Like he, yeah, he's fine now. I mean, he has the, they had to install a ICD in his chest to restart his heart if it ever stops again. But um, other than that, he's like, he had no, you know, no mental damage. And physically he's like, he's like going for walks and yeah, he's probably getting a little stir crazy, but um, he'll be back to work soon. So, yeah. Let's talk so, about some yeah. of the other factors, issues from this past year. Um, where do you want to go before we kind of do our move into breaking down specific lines? I mean, everyone's like heard about the supply chain issues. I think I can just talk about what our experience has been. You know, and it's been so the worst, most difficult thing to manage probably has been bamboo out of China right now. It's just... Um, they're having all sorts of delays there related to uh, like power conservation. So they have like 
provinces in China right now that are having variability in their ability to operate. Um, obviously, the port situation has been really difficult. You've seen huge port backups. We're seeing, like we had a conversation on, on Belkrit, like with our um, the reps for the Belt Company we work with, and you know we're seeing variability in quality. Like we're basically seeing B-grade product go to market right now is just normal, and that's unfortunately, we're seeing that in sort of everything. Yeah, I think the thing that we're seeing right now, why everything is so backed up, like my my personal kind of read on it is that all the companies, most manufacturing companies operated really lean, sort of in a just-in-time. So you didn't carry a lot of inventory. And in the last, you know, two years with COVID, everyone has had to change their mindset and said, instead of carrying 30 days of material supply, I have to carry six, you know, six months of supply or 12 months of supply. So every manufacturing company in the U.S. is like upping their order quantity hugely right now so that they have the materials in-house to keep production going, regardless of, you know, delays in shipping or delays in manufacturing. And right now, the system's just maxed out uh, as people try to get their materials in-house. So we're seeing that, you know, our, like all the six-week lead time materials are now 10 weeks or 12 weeks. And that's pretty much standard. Um, and then I think the other thing that, you know, <laughs> um, I'm sure a lot of people won't be thrilled to hear this, but pricing's like exploding, you know, and our pricing is going up very soon in a not, you know, a non-trivial amount. Like it's, um, it's just a necessity. So, you know, normally in ski materials, like you would factor in about a 5% annual increase in materials. That was pretty standard. And we're seeing materials that have seen 10% increases three times since April, <laughs> like stuff like that. And so, I mean, that's transport, that's just, you know, materials going up. So everything is, uh, yeah, I mean, we're, uh, I think since April, we're over $50 a pair on our raw cost. And that's before we even ship the skis, which that's up 30%. So it's, uh, I don't know, the system is definitely reconfiguring and it's not done um so you know i expect it's still going to be variable through next season for sure like and hopefully you know hopefully the the price increases start to at least slow down in terms of their pacing like we're seeing some that are going up every 60 days uh where normally they would go up once a year so yeah so managing that in terms of getting materials here and paying for them and now increasing the amount of uh, materials we have to store in terms of capital and even space has been difficult. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, it's interesting. This is the third or fourth time we've talked about supply chain issues and price increases on materials on gear 30. And I think we as consumers need to just keep in mind, like if the businesses we love are operating at losses, then the businesses we love don't get to stick around, right? And so I think these are just realities that everybody needs to, you know, understand. Um, and rather than just get angry if we see some prices going up, understand the state of the world, I guess. And I mean, at that point, people can make their own decisions and the rest, but it is interesting, like, we have talked more about supply chain issues and price increases on gear 30 this year 
like far more than ever before, right? We're just talking about products and materials and flex patterns and the like. And this is just a new, really significant piece of the equation. Uh, yeah, I would say since last January, we haven't had a month where we weren't solving a major supply chain issue. Like it's been been constant in terms of, you know, and everyone has had these like cash flow models that they've done for years and years and years. And suddenly it's like, wait, I have to carry an extra quarter million in materials through August. It's like, that's a huge burden. So yeah, it's just, it's going to take another year or two to kind of, I think, like I said, the global distribution network is going to reconfigure, you know, some of the things that can move back into domestic production, you know, hopefully will. And, um, we keep thinking that we'll start seeing some stability, but it's still pretty volatile right now. So, yeah, so it's stressful when you're like, it's like <laughs> wondering if you're going to even, you know, we're like, we've even been prototyping non-bamboo cores just to be like, well, we should be ready if uh, we can't get bamboo um, anymore. Yeah. I mean, talk to me a little bit about that. I mean, bamboo and ON3P has kind of always been a thing. Yeah, it's pretty much our identity. So, I, yeah, I don't know. I I don't even really know what to say about that. <laughs> like yeah. we've we've have tested, you know, other materials before. It's not not new, but it's the first time we've had a conversation that basically was a what if what if the supply chain gets to the point that it's not we just can't get the material. So, yeah. hopefully it doesn't get there, but I'd rather be ready if it does. Yeah. What else before we get like into the specific lineup? Uh, I mean, I don't know. COVID's still insane. No one, no one in O3P has been, been sick, so I'm very grateful for that. I, I don't, you know, knock on wood. Yeah. We'll see on this next wave is going to be pretty sporting. But, um, yeah, we're just kind of keeping our heads down and just like building skis. I, you know, and like I said, this sort of staggered release has been pretty funky. Um, and part of that was just that, uh, like, some of that supply chain, some of it, especially this fall, like we were expecting to start um, like Jeffrey 102 production and like at the latest was October. And then um, like we ran our custom ski sale this year a little later than we normally do. And we just, we basically sold our production out through Christmas on customs. Um, So like that's kind of like the underlying thing amongst the lineup and like what we're doing and releases is that like we're just diving more and more into custom uh, we'll, I think we doubled last year. We'll about double this year. And yeah, I mean, we've been almost 100% custom production, I don't know, almost two and a half months. Wow. So we're like finally starting to see the first stock skis come through in early, like come through production starting to be pressed in early January. So we'll finally see stock Jeffrey 102s, Jeffrey 118s towards the end of January. Um, but yeah, it's been you know, we've been sort of like the, the timeline of when we wanted to start stuff sometimes didn't start on time because of materials. And then we ended up in this weird spot where we had so much demand on custom that it just, we just rode that wave as long as we can. So, and, you know, the line's kind of built around servicing both a stock model and a uh, heavy custom model. So. so in the early days of ON3P, did you always foresee that you would be doing more and more custom skis or were was that not even crossing your 
mind and you just are like, we're going to make, yeah, we're going to have our models, stock models. That's what we make. And the custom idea, let alone production came later, or was that always sort of around, you know, from the early days? Uh, it was definitely a pivot. Um, cause I think we started thinking about like, what, what do we have that other brands don't necessarily have? And it's a factory like that's, you know, that's the unique thing we can offer is that we have the ability to, like, you and I could design a ski, you know, or design a graphic tonight and send it to production really quick, and it can be a one-off. And um, so as we realized that we had this unique ability to, you know, take a, a ski that was a one-off and turn it around really quick, we started kind of leaning into it more, um, figuring out, like, what the product offering is, because obviously we're not doing you know, a full customization like Pete is doing at Wagner, you know, or um, the guys at Folsom, you know, are mm -hmm. doing a little more on the customized end where we're, you know, it's a bit of like a, like a Nike ID kind of thing where, uh, you know, we're controlling certain levels of the, of the product that don't necessarily need design changes, but allowing you to customize the look. So figuring out what that model looks like and then also what our production ability to incorporate it while still maintaining our current volume has been what's been the process of figuring out so um like we right now run a little slower at 100 percent custom than we would on 100 percent stock mm -hmm. and we're trying to figure out how much can we increase the custom production where those rates are the same so we have a pretty good idea right now which is like right now we're pretty comfortable about 30 percent custom but we're trying to see you know can we do 50% custom or more. So yeah, it's definitely, I think we started doing these variations, I don't know, 2017 maybe. And then it's accelerated every year. So it definitely is late, later to the game compared to when we started. So I think one of the things that uh, is gonna be seen shortly is that we're going to be basically encompassing everything into just single unisex branding. That's basically what we've always been. The the Skis, we, I don't know, I think we've always used the term size appropriate. Yeah. That's how we view it. Like a, a Jesse 102 and a Jeffrey 102, they're literally identical. And what we've struggled with is that at our size, it's not like I can just call another factory and like order more volume. Like we have to make this inventory and it manifests downstream where say our dealer or, or us on the website, if I have to carry stock for like a Jeffrey 102 and a Jesse 102 and they're identical and the only change is the branding, it's been hard for us to expand the size range. And that's something that you've seen now is that, you know, as we've seen uh, certain SKUs and certain shapes increase in sales, it's it's been difficult to get certain stuff in stock. So like like right now, if you were to look at our line, like I we're sold out of Jeffrey 102s. Like that's our, you know, one of our two best selling skis. And like we're sold out, say, on Billy Goat 118 Tours. You know, like some something like a Billy Goat 118 Tour is a lower volume skew for us. Like it's gonna be a while before we're able to get that in stock. And that sort of trickle down, you know, from production standpoint is leading us to basically want to streamline everything as easy as possible, expand size ranges. And hopefully this year, like especially with this rollover, cause it's gonna allow us to catch up a little bit on production. It's gonna give us a chance to expand some of these sizes down in like a Billy Goat 110 or a Billy Goat 110 Tour that we just haven't been able to do um, for four or five years just because we just haven't had the capacity to do it. So, and then the, the second component of that is that we're trying to increase how much we can offer on custom, you know, and as that's increasing as our volume, uh, you know, we have these shapes that we have dialed in really believe in, but we might not be able to support 
stock ski runs where we're having to create a new brand and support the branding. It allows us to offer these skis, but but not have to have the infrastructure and the sort of the marketing component behind it, which is where you know we just are deficient. We just don't have the have the uh, the resources to you know push that forward. So I think kind of that's where we're at. Like it's we've gone back and forth. Um, I know on a like a dealer end, it can be more difficult, but uh, you know, Wait, we're now only working. Say, with the- say more on that. Like from a dealer end, it can be more difficult not having a sort of segregated, like these are the men's skis over here and these are the women's skis over there. That's what you mean? That's been our, I mean, we only really introduced, like, cause we had short sizes. Like if you go back, you know, we had uh, 64 billy goats for like four or five years. Um, but basically we were told that was when we were still heavily into trying to grow our dealer network. We were basically told I can't sell this ski unless it's a women's ski. And, you know, for us it was like, okay, so we have to create new branding around it. That was first tried with the Jesse and like it did okay. Um, but as it got to the point, like it, where it is right now, it's like, these are all, it's all the same ski. Like we don't do any design differences. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's like, like I said, we've always just used this term size appropriate. Like it's just gotten like, it's convoluted. And for someone like us, like we're like our, like our front office right now is like three people. Right. And including me. And it's just hard to, you know, establish a new brand. Say we want to do like a it's just hard to establish a new brand when like the product already exists. And our big thing right now is like we're trying to get to the point that we can carry the sizes without having to carry two brands for that size, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, it's um, it's just about simplifying and streamlining internally. you know, it's interesting, like, well, we have different production data for skis that are the same right now, because just the brand name on the skis is different. Yeah. So, like, that's where it's like, you know, we're making the same product, let's just standardize everything, you know, especially as, as we've gone more and more custom. Yep. So, anyone who wants a quote-unquote women's ski, I guess, needs to find a custom graphic that's somehow says to them female otherwise these are unisex skis and if you don't love the stock graphic that a particular model comes with call you up and uh, tell me how that Build works whatever you want can i well i mean so this I, is this I is true send of you a, all of our skis say more uh, was, well i was gonna say i mean that this equation happens on all of our skis like our top sheets are somewhat specific like the number one custom ski we sell is a black top sheet like, it's like <laughs> is that right? Ten percent, yeah. Eight point six percent of customs are ordered with a black top. Yeah, I mean, like the number one custom we sell is just a, like a basic black herringbone like pattern with O3P three on it. So, um, you know, I think when you have graphics like ours that are uh, like they're I don't know they're somewhat out there sometimes. Um, we see all sorts of people not like them. So, I mean, that's something we did this year too. Like we we did. You know, uh, I would call them like in-stock customs, but basically we did a bunch of our more popular custom tops, pre-made. So if you didn't like the graphic, you could order, you know, order something without waiting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so right now it's all just done in a like uh, we have a, a custom ski builder on the website that allows you to visually, um, you know, pick your top, pick your base, see what it will look like, you know, and then do whatever 
core or sidewall modifications you want. So yeah, it's just on the website if you want to spend time. We get to, it's interesting, the builder actually tracks like builds, like we're able to go see like, you know, tens of thousands of prospective builds and it's interesting to see what people spend their time kind of building on there. But yeah, I think it's, uh, I think I was looking at it earlier. It's interesting to see what people like, you know, and yeah, black, white, pink, purple, and teal, they're just standard colors are all in the top, top 11. I feel like that's because so, you've yet to actually produce the me Ellsworth Putin oh. riding a horse graphic. I'm sure that would rocket ahead of the the all black top sheet as your number one. If we uh, if we ever do a like a joint development ski, we'll this might on there. this might be the best thing that's happened during COVID. Actually, that's a, that's maybe the silver yet? lining. Is that's that graphic has never come to be. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't, a lot of tragedies gone down, but I don't know. The world was spared at least that one thing. <laughs> Not for long. <laughs> I'll, I, uh, you know, you know, I like to make sure that things do eventually get done. I will finish it at some point, and uh-huh. uh, at some point, like I'm not going to send it to you. You'll just get a pair of skis with it on it for testing. That's how it's going to happen. So, um, well, yeah. we should let's address this right now. Right. This. This oh, is. So you can go on. Right. Yeah. Okay. I know yeah. where this is going. Yeah, you do know where this is going. We get a lot of very angry, strongly worded emails, like, "What's up? Why don't you guys test O N three P anymore? Where's all the O N three P reviews? You guys suck." No one actually says you guys suck. Maybe they think that, but they don't write that. But um, yeah, we take a lot of flack on this and I have to restrain myself quite a bit. And I think only once or twice in this past year, I was just, I just wrote, ask Andrus. And so we're just getting this on wax. We're rounding out the year. We're saying what we have to say. And I'm going to tell my side of the story and then you can correct me if you, you know, think I don't have the story quite right. I have been told on multiple occasions that skis were being sent to be tested. And I think people know we don't put old models of skis in our buyer's guide. We still reference old models of skis all the time and old models of boots and apparel, whatever. When we're writing a new review in our buyer's guide, we only put in if we have tested, if we have actually spent time on current product, that's what goes in our buyer's guide. If we have not spent time on a new revised product, we don't guess about it. I mean, look, it'd be the easiest thing in the world for us to just be like, screw it. It's probably like the old woodsman or whatever. And so it's fine. But I hope rather than get mad at us, people understand like, oh, wow. So they're like not bullshitting us. Thank you. But that doesn't quite seem to be the response we get. Thoughts, Scott? (laughs) I think, uh, well... I think we've said we'd like to send skis. I don't think we've oh, ever sent skis are oh. on their way. Uh, I think uh, it's uh, our our problem. This goes to the problems of trying to offer like get more sizes in stock. We yeah. we our problem isn't I can't sell enough skis. Our problem is I can't build enough skis. Yeah. And when we like this, the other place this manifests in is like we basically aren't doing demos anymore. Part of that is COVID. It was like let's just. You know, we're not, we don't want people coming in the factory. Like, but uh, the other thing, and part of that is resorts literally just won't host us anymore. Also, the case. If you're talking about skis that I know will sell out, 
and I know I'm not going to have enough units to meet the sales anyway, it's hard to say, you know, take 30 pairs of that that we'll know will sell at full price and make them a demo fleet to sell less skis. Yeah. Because we're going to sell out. So it's or the same thing here. It's you, like then, you then send us skis. We put our review out. If many thousands of people read that review and think that sounds like exactly like the ski for me and then they can't get it. Yeah. So I think in your, it's just that we just don't have enough skis. Um, so I will Scott build more skis for you, New Year's resolution. I know. Tell me about it. Um, I will say for you that the reason Jonathan hasn't released, and I've said this publicly too, is that we just haven't sent them skis in a while because we need to have more skis. So, the one thing I said to you when I said, hey, we're rolling over, it's great because the skis I gave you now, we're going to be, you know, good for, you know, at least through next uh, next winter. So, yeah. And um, it, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if so I should. So it's nothing on Jonathan's end. Yeah. It's all it's, on our it's end. Blame Scott. Blame hashtag me. Blame Andrus. Hashtag Blame Andrus. Let's get that going around. And like on a, you know, I don't know, um, from my side of things, we're kind of drowning in enough product to review so you know i my only thing is when it's been like you know when we're getting asked we're like yeah yeah we're supposed to get on this early season or something i just don't like it when we end up giving you know misinformation to our blister members or readers or whatever but like i hear you and like we have so much stuff to review and be spending time on like yeah i'm curious i'd love to see if you you know made the woodsman better or worse but um you know like those are things that will get there when the time is right but and i also understand why people are jonesing to you know get the review so i sort of understand it all but i think we all i guess we all have to just learn to be a little more patient maybe it's yeah I, I find it true. that probably sounds like you're giving me an out. I can keep the skis and sell them. I don't know. Yeah, I so. realized this last seven minutes of this conversation probably satisfied no one. Is actually um, is actually what I think. No, I think it's. I mean, you haven't been on our new composite. You haven't been on a new tour core. So yeah, it's definitely you know stuff. I think the last year you guys were on skis is 2020, right? Sound right? I have no idea. Sometime between so. twenty. Sometime between 2005 and 2020, I think. My memory yeah, so is shaky. We do want to get some skis out to you, and hopefully we do quite soon. You so. hear that, everybody? He said... In the meantime, the Woodsman 102 is sold out. The Jeffrey 102 is sold out. The Jeffrey 110 is about to sell out. Yes, Billy Goat's about to sell out, so working on it. Working on it. I can send you, can send you some park skis. Oh, sick. That's what... Well, actually, I was about to say maybe for the next blister crash course video. I don't know. I have not ever had this thought before, except right now while live in a podcast conversation. That's not that one's not going to happen. No one see, needs to see me truly destroy myself in a park. Yeah. So we we like we all we do have on the list mono skiing in AK, like heli mono skiing in AK, and I feel way better than that than. Me having to like, I as someone who's seen the photos of where your accident was, I think you you should be you know protecting as many of your nine lives as possible. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So, okay, fair. Yeah. That probably should segue us into the lineup itself. And since you just mentioned park skis, should we start there? Yes. Yeah. So this is probably going to be one that's 
confuse the new schoolers kids the most. So mm-hmm. right now the park ski we have in stock is is um, Foster Meeks Park Model Pro Model, which is Crushing Cans 102. It is just a Magnus 102. We just really can't say that because he's moved on to his own company. Um, and it was supposed to be out like two months before that announcement was coming. So that's why it's like it's been interesting to see people process. They'll look at the dimensions and then they'll send us an email saying, I, I've looked at the dimensions between the two and I like don't understand. Is this the same ski or is it? People have asked us if it's like a 90 under foot. I don't know. It's, anyway, so... You know, that was his preferred ski, so that's what we built it on, and that's what we have in stock right now. We have a new updated park line coming for um, uh, Mango 100, Mango 110. That was supposed to be out this fall, but again, we uh, custom bought all our production, and uh, we still had uh, 102s in stock, so we felt, you know, we had to fulfill the custom orders and, and push the delay out. So that's that ski's going to be coming out midwinter. It's just the progress of... Uh, the Magnus line um, with tweaks that Jake wanted in his skis. So uh, the 100 is, you know, it's the progress of the 102. And the big thing um, probably that you'll see is that we're not stocking a 90 anymore, which was one of our better selling skis. And basically what we found, at least amongst the team, was that no one was skiing the 90 anymore. We have like one athlete that still skis it. Um, Everyone else had moved to the 102. And what Jake wanted was to lower the swing weight and basically get some of the playfulness that you get on the 90 when you're trying to do switch ups or anything like that, but do so on a wider platform. So uh, him and I just kind of reworked the 102, reworked the side cut a little bit to make it a little more turny and made the flex a touch softer. And then the biggest thing is we reworked the the tip taper design and it rounded over quite a bit and um, just lowers the swing weight. So he wanted basically some of the 90 playfulness in a more stable platform than the 102, and so that's what's become of the uh, the Mango 100, which right now you can order on custom. We've been building them on custom all, I think we started doing those in uh, August, actually, and then um, it will come out, you know, as a stock release, like late February, early March, it looks like, and then then he also, we're going, you know, he's getting more and more into the backcountry, which I think people will see for him this year, which we're really excited for, um, and... We have this new 110, which is sort of like his ideal soft day ski. So people probably remember the St. Lucas, which was kind of becoming a Magnus 112. This is where that ski ended up. So it's, you know, we've been testing it for three or four years. A lot of that testing had been doing convexity stuff, which we basically kind of got to the point that we didn't think we could make it production practical on a cost end. Like the ski was going to cost, you know, $1,300, $1,400 probably with all the CNC stuff. And... Uh, so we just, you know, it's flat base. Um, and the way I've been kind of describing it is like if you took a, a Mega 100 and a Jeffrey 118 and sort of mixed them. So you get a lot of the playfulness in terms of the round flex profile, the side cut of the Mango, but you get powder tip taper. And uh, yeah, they're they're quite fun. They're, you know, they're very turny. It's a good alternative to the Jeffrey 110, which is a little more aggressive. So, so yeah, those are, are Jake's new pro models. And, you know, we're really excited to have him, you know, we, we obviously have this really great relationship with Magnus, like, and, you know, like that, that situation went about as smoothly as it could in terms of transitioning out from him. Uh, he's obviously under great things. Like we're still friends. We'll talk about that. I'm sure. And then Jake, you know, has been elevated on our team and he's taken over and, you know, we're super excited for him and to have him part of the brand. So as you should be. 
we should talk about Magnus and Thousand Skis because this was the other, I don't know, internet ski gossip speculation explosion thing, you know, that went on. And that was kind of wild just seeing again, I guess, just the speculation, but a lot of speculation that was very confidently worded based on maybe not so much. Pe- so let's, people. let's, yeah, let's, let's <laughs> um, say people on the internet who don't know anything. Yeah. A bit of that. Yeah. Um, so yes. the, the floor is yours. I mean, why don't you clarify a bit of this situation? I think, um, so obviously for those that don't know, um, Alex and Magnus, and then a couple of their close friends, uh, Paven, uh, LSM, uh, Anton, and I think, I can't remember the CEO, I can't remember his name right now, but they basically started their own ski company called The Thousand. And uh, yeah, obviously we worked with Magnus and Hackle for a long time. Like they're, um, they were absolutely fantastic to work with. Like I care about those guys a lot. And like it was a, you know, working situation beyond friends you know, beyond or beyond just like a professional relationship. And, um, yeah, so they told me sometime, I think in January, late January, uh, that this was, that they were, you know, they wanted to start the ski brand and that this is the plan. And that was that. I mean, it, um, it, uh, was like really dramatic when they announced, but internally, like one, we had, you know, we had known forever and two, like those guys were really straight up about everything like you know it, for us it's not the first time that we've had really key parts of the team leave too i mean that was kind of the thing that was like really dramatic it was like you know we've had uh carl move on when he when he you know moved up um and moved on to k2 and it's like you know carl was a huge part of the brand too so for us it was like it was way more dramatic outside than it was inside especially because like those guys were up front and open about everything. Like, we totally understood. I think I told Magnus, I was like, well, I'm the last person in the world to tell you to not start your own ski company. Like, there's, like, no one with less footing to than me to tell you, you know. So um, those guys were great. And, you know, they continue to, you know, do their job for, for that year until they announced. And, like, we're s- still friends. Like, all is good. Um, I think the, I don't know. There's, there's always, like, people, like, want to make things dramatic. But, yeah. I think the reality is like those guys are friends and professional, like in like it was a professional exit. Like they're I remain their friends and like I've told them if you know if there's ways I can help, like reach out. So working with Magnus, like Alex is great too. Like I, I love watching Alex ski, but obviously like Magnus and I have a really long term relationship, and I, you know that relationship will continue. I'm like super appreciative for everything he's done for R3P. I think we, you know, we had a very unique thing and I'm, you know, I couldn't be more excited for his new opportunity. I think it's really cool that he's, you know, he had a lot of say here in terms of design and the team and the marketing. And so um, it's different when you can make those things your own. So like to me, it was kind of his natural progression. Like I, we weren't, no one in here was surprised. It was like, oh yeah, this is, I'm like not, you know, it was almost expected that at some point those guys would. Uh, you know, want to take everything they've learned and then take it to the next step in terms of um, making it their own. So I think it's great. So I wish them a lot of success and, you know, we'll stay on a personal level. We'll stay friends and that's that. So, of course, it was really dramatic on the, everyone on Instagram was really dramatic over it, but it was actually pretty mundane. 
and professional on the back end. Hmm. Well, yeah, I just wanted to give you the chance to kind of, yeah, say that, I guess. Hope that makes sense. Like it, yeah, it does. It was, yeah, it it's business funny. as usual. What, while you're talking, I mean, the, the thing I just think is, I like you said, I think the it sort of all makes sense to me as you've just kind of outlined it. Um, I just always think the idea of starting a ski brand is way sexier than the work of running a ski brand. And I'll just be curious to, you know, like I had a fantastic conversation with Magnus, you know, back in the day. And I think he's such an interesting person. And I, but I just, I know, I know how hard this stuff is. It'll be just interesting to watch. And yeah, like you wish him all the best, but the grind part of this. Yeah, the grind sucks. But I think the thing that they have two things, like one, you know, for them, it's like somewhat future planning. Like you're trying to create something that has a life after, so you can ski at a top level, which I think is important. You know, like I'm getting old, like Magnus getting old too, you know. Um, but, but two is they already had like large parts of the business apparatus in place. And, you know, the content, like their content program is, you know, it's turnkey. Like, yeah. is it, you know, it, it's, they're ready to go. They know what to do. They can produce the content. Um, they've been involved in ski development enough that it's like, you know, they're, they're uh, you know, they just jump right into it. They know what they like in terms of skis. Like, if there was a time to do it, like now is like definitely the time. And, I, you know, I think uh, if you're going to, you know, the opportunity to go start a ski company at the right time with like five of your close friends, like it's a kind of no brainer. I mean, it made a ton of sense. So I think for us, like, you know, we, a small brand like us, like obviously we can't have as many high name, like, you know, big name athletes. Like we just don't have the budget for that. Um, but, you know, we're always looking to make sure that we have guys ready to step up and like, you know, someone like Jake, I've, you know, we have a great relationship with Jake and, you know, this has allowed us to make sure that we have enough support to allow Jake's career to grow over the next two to three years. Like, yep. you know, it's in turn. So making sure that he has a support level to develop his branding and his skiing. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not, uh, there's no like bad feelings about it or anything at all. Like I think it was, a, I, yeah, it went about as smooth as you could go. Back to skis. Where are we, t- where are we going next? I think, uh, the Jeffrey. So you'll notice on the Jeffrey and the Wisman line that the sub hundred options are custom only this year. We, part of that is just volume. Like we just knew like, Hey, we're, you know, this go, even going into winter last year, we knew we were seeing supply chain stuff already. So we, um, one, we were trying to you know, increase the custom volume and two, uh, not carry as much raw inventory. So the, the Jeffrey 96, the Woodsman 96 were custom only this year. There might be sub 100 stock options coming. I'm not going to talk about them right now. But not saying they're never coming back. The uh, the Jeffrey 102 came back unchanged. Um, it's our that and the 110 right now are our two best selling skis. We found it's pretty dialed. We, we're seeing good sales on both coasts, and it's pretty much back unchanged. The Jeffrey 110 was the update to the 108, and we're just continuing this long circle because I don't know if you go back in time. The Jeffrey started <laughs> at 108, then it went yeah. 110. Yeah. And it went 114, then went 106, then it went 108, now we're back to 110. And apparently my brain just works in cycles, but um, it's, you know, extremely similar to the Jeffrey 108. Like there's no drastic, drastic changes. The 
biggest thing we kind of found internally is like everyone, this is just almost anecdotal at the factory, but everyone in here has sort of like spring day, like kind of park ski, an everyday ski, and a powder ski. Like that's pretty, quivers in here actually aren't all that elaborate. And we basically just were seeing the powder skis never get taken out. Um, and part of, you know, and that's for inbound skiing at Meadows. And um, we, we found that we wanted a little more float so that on powder days we were fully comfortable, but that we didn't want to carry around the weight um, or sort of like deal with the uh, like wider skis and variable, which sometimes when it's set up can kind of suck. So uh, we just went a little wider on the width and we, um, we do everything with a bi-radius side cut. Um, so it's different radius in the tip and tail. And, you know, a lot of stuff's done there in terms of side cut and like ratios. So we, we made the ratio a little more imbalanced. So it pushes the ski down the fall line a little more. Um, but other than that, it's pretty similar. It's just a slightly wider, slightly more aggressive Jeffrey. You know, for us internally, it was like more about having a Jeffrey that we just can ski regardless of the snow conditions uh, in the winter. Um, so that was the addition, you know, why the additional width came. And uh, yeah, and apparently I like to cycle. So I'm sure the Jeffrey 114 will be coming any day oh my now God. Uh, at this rate. And so Mount, Mount Point on the Jeffrey 102, 110, and 118, all the same? All the same, yeah. And uh, I think um, this is something that, like, we can, goes back a little bit to the transition from a Magnus 102 to a Magnus one, uh, Manga 100. It's the same thing here is that, like, we, I don't view individual skis, really. Like, we view platforms. Like, everything mentally in terms of how we design is on, like, a part platform, a freestyle platform, a free ride platform. And the defining factor of that primarily is mount point. Just to clarify... The mount point on the Jeffrey series is living roughly where? About minus four. So okay. all of our skis scale proportionally, so they they scale down and up uh, by size. But you can assume minus four on the on the Jeffrey line. And when you say they scale up and down, we're talking about like a Jeffrey one hundred two, one hundred and ten, and one hundred eighteen in roughly this across those three models. It doesn't scale that way. It scales in terms of if you have a Jeffrey 102 in the longest length versus the shortest length. Yep. Yeah. So all of our skis scale mount point by a quarter of a centimeter. So uh, 181 Jeffrey 110 is minus four. 186 is minus 4.25. And so that's universal across all our skis. So um, so every time you see a five centimeter size uh, adjustment, you'll see a, a quarter centimeter of a... Um, size change the only skis you won't do that to are the the park skis which are um you know either center mounted or like minus one yep so okay yeah where are we going next uh the woodsman the woodsman so yeah so like the jeffrey right now the 96 is custom only um this is probably the ski that took the most work this year um i think the the thing on this ski that's been kind of hard is that the it's been interesting to figure out who the customer base is relative to say who we've had testing it, and I know we we had a lot more uh, like jib influence on the early ones in terms of the mount. Um, so this year the this is the ski that probably had the most substantial changes in terms of the core profile. Um, we basically taken so we moved them out back another half centimeter and we we've, we've moved to a more renegade type profile. Uh, which is not as round, it's stiffer in the front, and it has more of a progressive tail. And 
makes the ski more drivable and then it makes the tail easier to push around uh, when you need to change direction. So, um, and the other thing is we, we did drop the Woodsman 116. Uh, we just found on the wide end that the, the Billy Goat was a better platform for almost anybody. So, um, yeah. So, sort of been us figuring out over time, you know, who's actually purchasing the ski a little bit and yep. using the adjustments we've made to reflect that. Um, I remember some time ago, I don't know if it was like two years ago, where I predicted that the woodsmen, when those were new, completely eat the market share of the renegades. And they did. Hmm. Yeah. This, so this, we, is why, this is why you should listen to me sometimes, Scott. We do, we do have some renegades in stock, um, but it's probably the last year of them being in stock. And uh, yes, yeah, uh, the woodsman has uh, completely consumed that market share. Hmm. So, Do you get any like hate mail from super renegade fans that are like, how dare you? Or is everybody just kind of stoked on the woodsman? I think there are people uh, that are suited for more directional skiers that it still just doesn't work for. It's just too far forward. And um, that's okay. I think if we didn't have renegades that you could either order on customer in stock, yep. then maybe it's a different conversation. But, you know, when you introduce a new product like this, like, and it's replacing an older product that has some pretty significant differences in terms of balance, like some people it just won't work for. So, you know, it's probably the case here to an extent, but, uh, you know, it's in terms of uh, unit volume, like it's, you know, we're doing a substantially, substantially more Woodsman than we are Renegades. Woodsman 102 and Woodsman 110 mount points? Uh, minus seven and a half and a 187. See, just sounds nice. Has a nice ring it's to clean. it. It's clean. It's clean. Whereas the Renegades, the Renegade 102 and 110 today that a person can still get, um, those mount points are coming in at? I'm spacing off the top of my head. They're about minus nine and a half. Yep, I was going to say between. Like so, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there it's a very, very traditional mount point. Um, you know, we've kind of been saying the Woodsman is sort of like modern all-mountain. Woodsman's an interesting ski right now because we're seeing people who are very directional, uh, say, renegade S skiers, move to it. And we're also seeing this, like, subset of people that started skiing our skis when they were park skiers and then are now 30 and not skiing in the park anymore and don't want something as jibby as the Jeffrey. So... You know, but are used to skiing skis that are like minus two mounted. So it's been interesting to see where customers are coming for the ski. So, and there's um, definitely seeing some very, very, you know, people coming from very different backgrounds uh, towards it. So, and Woodsman 110 versus the previous Woodsman 108. Yeah, the um, some slight changes in the side cut. The core profile this year was the big, big, big update. Um, it's just quite a bit different than the last two years. And, uh, part of that was a byproduct of moving the mount back more, and part of it was just um, it's it's become more renegade-like than it was initially, uh, just huh. just more drivable. And um, again, that's sort of again a byproduct of seeing who's buying it um, versus like who's was testing it and giving feedback when we were developing it. So more renegade-like. Sorry, I'm going to make you yeah. spell that out a little bit more clearly for maybe mostly, mostly selfish reasons. Um, so uh, freestyle profiles are generally, I use the term round, like they're more even 
and directional profiles are more progressive. So you have basically the stiffness pushes out into the tips more and a lot of the flex is more towards the end. And the initial Woodsman uh, had a pretty round profile, which was quite a bit softer than a, um, a Renegade in the tip, and it was pretty even. So it was a stiffer ski than a Jeffrey, so it was you know, pretty evenly stiff into the tail. And a lot of people who were uh, more directionally oriented just found the tails were just too stiff. They just could not deal with the length plus the stiffness. So think of this in terms of body positioning. Like if you're skiing on a reasonably stiff ski that you're skiing pretty neutral, it's fine to have pretty even thickness throughout. But we're basically shifting the skier's body weight forward into the forebody a little more. So you don't need quite as much stiffness at the end of the tail, but you want more stiffness sort of in the forebody through the rocker. Um, so we've redone the profile. We've basically, you know, used the Renegade sort of as a template basis for um, doing this update. And uh, it has a core profile that's quite similar to the Renegade, just tailored a little bit. So, um, you know, stiffer tip, a little more give in the tail. So the Woodsman 110 is basically a Renegade with a plus two mount point. Yeah, um, yeah <laughs> the side the side cuts, you know, quite a bit tighter. Uh, you know, the Renegades used to run like 26 to 30. Yeah. So in terms of the radius, it's not, not quite as big, but, you know, it's it has some more Renegade influence now than it did the previous two years in terms of the, the core profile. I think we need to test some skis. That's probably true. You now have a Billy Goat 110. Yep. So we've done this ski uh, on custom a lot the last couple of years, and we have a Billy Goat 110 tour, so we thought, let's just do a run. So it's sort of like a trial yep. to see how it does on sales and how it does on um, response. So it's an interesting ski. 110s, uh, you know, it's an everyday width for people, and RES is pretty, uh, reversal of dual side cut can be pretty sporting for certain people on uh you know something that's going to see a good bit of hard snow so uh it will be interesting to kind of see how it sells and what the response is but um we've been building them on custom quite a bit so we thought might as well do a small handful of pairs and see what they see what they do so hmm. so the other uh skis this year that saw pretty big updates are the billy goats um uh they have a new size range a new rocker profile and um uh, slightly moved back mount and more tip taper. So that was um, sort of been a progress over a couple of years. Uh, oh, and we killed ASIM, which I have conflicted feelings on. Mm. We can talk about that, but I do um, not. But yeah. Uh, so um, <laughs> we wanted the ski to be a little more versatile in terms of um, drivability and hard snow performance, and we wanted a little more float. Uh, so we moved the 116 back to the 118. Um, the size range, some people might know the Super Goat. It was like a limited run we did of like a super stiff 193 Billy Goat. That um, was sort of a precursor for some of the elements of this. So this shares a very similar tail rocker to that. Um, so you have a little less wheeling. Uh, you get a little more drive out of a turn. Um, it take a little more form and like a slightly stronger skier, I think, than the older one. Um, but uh, we felt that trade-off in terms of stability was worth it. And then most of the lengths, like uh, 184 to 187, you know, uh, two centimeters of that length is in front of the boot, one centimeter is in the tail. And 
Uh, so you get a little more tip taper, a little more float. Um, and yeah, we just wanted to kind of make it a little more of a powder specific ski and something that was a little more aggressive than the previous models. Um, and then yes, the ASIM is gone. And uh, I'm not gonna think, pour. I'm not gonna pour one out. Yeah, I don't know. It was always kind of like. It, tell me why you. Tell me why you were a fan. Uh, I'm a fan of. So I will say I don't think it makes a huge difference in the tips. I was a fan of it in a pintail in the tail, um, just because anytime you're like removing the threshold for smearing, it's not a bad thing. Yeah. The thing where our sort of like. I was trying to think of how to describe this to someone recently. It's like you're doing something like extra, but it like never gets used. When we were seeing the skis constantly on the wrong foot feet, um, and it was just like, okay, are we designing like are we over designing this in terms of making the ski like clearly maybe a bit too complicated to get the right skis on the right feet? And um, it was like there's a lot of production cost to do ASIM in terms of core matching and weight matching and you know, if you've um, if you have a blam on a right, like it's you can't just repair things. And uh, yeah, it just was. We basically said for the volume we're doing, and for what we're seeing on the consumer end, the costs don't make sense. I, you know, we've talked internally about doing like a, um, you know, making a sim a custom option or something like that. Where if you want that shape and you like understand that there's a left and a right, you can do it. Um, the other thing. We had heard a little bit is like there was some hesitancy on ASIM for inner mountain skiers, so like big sky, like somewhere where you're going to hit a lot of rocks. Mm -hmm. um, it, uh, you know, the ability to swap feet goes a long way in terms of keeping the skis and uh, you know keeping the skis functional and longevity. So I, I'm conflicted about it. Like I don't know. I'm sure we'll like we seem to get quite a bit of shit for it when we did it and like I'm sure we'll now get shit that it's gone and it's like whatever it's um, you know it's just an update progression of the ski so um, we'll see if it uh, if we you know work in a custom option or something like that but I think for m most people it's uh, it's unnecessary so and if you really want an asymmetrical shape you can always bump up to the cease and desist yeah so right now the cease and desist we have are the old one uh, we haven't updated it yet, um, and you know we're just—they're still in stock uh, from last year, and um, that was part of it too. Like we're like not—you know—we're we—I was saying this. We saw this internally. Um, you know, a lot of the guys that have Jeffrey one eight or one one sixteens, one eighteens as their powder skis, they just don't use them a ton. You know, it's the same thing on the C Synthesist. It's just a really specific ski. Yeah. So this year, with all that's been going on, we just haven't updated it. When those sell out, we will release an update and we'll go to the custom builder on the new sizes. Um, but uh, for now, I don't know. We still have a handful of pairs and we'll just keep them up. So if you okay. want, it's it's a um, it's those old like the old tour core profile, which is really round. So it's a really fun. Um, like it would be my choice if I were going like cat skiing somewhere. Like it's trees and like a lot of uh, good consistency in the snow. I personally think. If you're skiing anything with variable snow, that something with more power to drive through them, which is the Billy Goat, is the way to go. So, gotcha. Billy Goat, aka Renegade 118. Ren 118 would be pretty wild. <laughs> I just, I've wondered if your head would explode or if you'd start yelling at me if I called the Billy Goat the Ren 118. Um, I mean, after calling the Woodsman the 
no, Ren I, 110 with a plus two mount point. I, I would, uh, it'd be fun to, uh, you know, have to have a ski off with Luke if he's on a 122 <laughs> commander or 124, I think. Uh-huh. Yeah, whatever their insane yeah. wide directional ski is. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Those skis, a ski like a wide, you know, Renegade 118, it's just, it's just like, it's like five people in the world that would like that ski. <laughs> so it's like, okay. And they're, you know, especially on wide skis because they don't get used as much, they just last. Like the cycle for, you know, if you're skiing park, like you're going through a pair a year or something like that. And, you know, all mountain, maybe a pair every one to two years. Like those powder skis just last forever. Um, so it's hard to justify something wide. All right. Where are we going? I, the only skis left are the tours. The tours. So, yeah. So it's um, no shape changes outside. They all have a skin clip. Um, you know, we have Woodsman 102, Woodsman 110. Billy Goat 110, Billy Goat 118 tour. So um, these are all our, uh, like, in-house made Polonia bamboo core. Um, They have a thin, well, we say thin. They have a 1.4 base, which is, like, what everyone's using normally. Hmm. Um, And, uh, yeah, we we finally figured out when we released them last year, we just, like, didn't have the manufacturing capability in terms of building cores to really support them. We now can. Uh, you know, so, uh, you, you'll see them more as a factor and, um, yeah, so they've been, been great. You know, our biggest concern when we were developing them was getting the weights down enough and we feel like we have, um, and that they're pretty competitive on the weight end and, you know, still ski, ski very well. So, yeah. So like a, a 182, at least according to your website specs, a 182 centimeter Woodsman 102 is coming in at. 1,620 grams per ski. Yep. I just yeah. checked the updated data for the year. It's 1630. 1630. Yeah. So, a lot, yeah, a lot of times on uh, the website, stuff like is early season as the volume goes up will adjust. But yeah, 1630. Yeah. Pretty light. Yeah. And so. in a 187, it's 1710 grams which yep. man that for yep. me is very much a like that's very much in the wheelhouse of stuff i like to tour on for where i go touring um yep and yeah, given that happy on the weights yeah given that on 3 ps never been known for like it's lightweight stuff i'm i'm slightly impressed right now haven't yeah, skied it when, but but good job hitting the weights one thing that you and i've talked about at some point is doing a, a core scaling test where we do a two or a 50 50 in a stock so i still think that would be an interesting yeah yeah interesting thing for you to see and it's surprised that was a when we were sort of developing this it was like pretty shocking how much weight is in the plastic of the base like you know it's about a yeah you drop about um 200 grams of ski just going to the thin base so uh thin base and edge so it's and again to to clarify you're using 1.4? Yes. 1.4? Yeah, so... Go ahead. Explain. Just tease that out, because this is one of the things that you guys are doing different. Sure. So, like, uh, average base thickness on most skis is is ordered as, a, like, a 1.2 to 1.4 millimeter. Um, our stock skis are ordered at 1.8, uh, so it's just, you know, it's a quite thicker material. Um, and, you know, bamboo is obviously not light, so that's why our stock skis... They're lighter than they used to be, but still have quite a bit of heft. 
Um, the 50-50, we incorporate our Polonia hy uh, bamboo hybrid core, um, but we keep the thick base and edge, and that's to still give you something that's lighter but has a lot of durability. Um, and like that's been super popular. It's really popular in the factory. Like I don't think most of the guys that are touring are touring on a 50-50. Um, just because the added benefit of that 1.8 base is, in terms of durability, is pretty substantial. And then uh, when you drop down the thin base, you'd, it was about another 200 grams of ski. Um, you know, and that's where you get the, you know, it's still a durable Dur-Surf base. It's just, uh, for us, thin. Um, so, yeah. But most people would just see it as an average base in terms of thickness. Was there a similar story there with the Woodsman 102 Tour? I mean, I know we're talking about a different core, it was, it was the Woodsman profile, because we, we almost share profiles between them. Like, there's like okay. slight thickness stuff. But um, it was mostly the core profile on the Woodsman's and then the shape on the Billy Goat. So those are the two things this year that saw the most development. So Gotcha. Um, and those, you know, on a uh, the tours, they share basically the same, um, you know, same style of, of profile. So, um, yeah, it really was updating the way the core profile scaled and and progressed from center on the woodsman that was kind of like the biggest thing to dial in so gotcha um i don't know charlie murphy we should say a word i feel like shouldn't we it's yeah i mean it's still around uh we're already sold out of them for the year huh. um it's basically a jeffrey 88 like that's what it is um but a kid and, uh, ski. Yeah, so it's a 41 and 51. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't I don't know. We, we yeah, I just can't keep them in stock. And for us, like, they don't, uh, they literally cost us, like, basically the same as the men's skis. Like, we're talking, like, <laughs> a couple dollars. So it's hard for us to justify a lot of production. Like, what we do right now, we use, um, like, if you uh, we like we repurpose cores so like say we have um like a jeffrey 110 core that like has a blowout or something like that or like uh has a profile issue like we'll save those and then we reprofile them down to charlie murphy's and we do the same thing on sidewalls so it allows us to like take material that would otherwise be thrown out um make sure that we can still use it and basically what we do in the charlie murphy's is we just figure out how many like how much like scrap we can repurpose into charlie murphy's and that's our production for the year and we'll use it and and uh, yeah i don't know like it, I, I wish we could sell them more but it's just hard at the cost yeah is that it is our work here done is there anything else i mean the ren 102 and the ren 110 pro are still around but there's no updates it's the same same skis as last year we just did a kind of a i knew this is Probably the last year there'll be stocks. So like the top sheet this year is kind of an ode to one of my favorite uh, Renegade top sheets, which was the 2011. Hmm. I th yeah. I think 2011. That was um, cool. Yeah. So it's just kind of like an ode to that. It used some elements from that. And, uh, you know, I think once those sell out, there'll be a custom only option. But who knows? Like we're, we're definitely planning a lot of... Uh, a number of new limited team skis and some other like limited size drops. And so we're definitely, there'll be some other small volume products coming out over the next year. Stay tuned. We shall stay tuned. Well, Hey man, um, I guess to end where we started 2021 has, uh, 
kind of been a hell of a year um, for you in a number of different ways. But honestly, it kind of sounds like there are some real good things happening too. And like you said, I mean, it's kind of your best year ever um, at ON3P. And so I'm very happy to hear that. And hopefully a number of the other factors, you know, that the world is dealing with and, you know, you and your brother have been dealing with. I hope that we start seeing real improvement along multiple lines. I think the supply chain will start, we'll start seeing things stabilize over the next year or so. Hmm. I think uh, there'll, there'll be a lot, you know, a lot of people that are a lot less stressed out uh, in terms of, you know, managing logistics on that end. Hopefully, you know, we'll just, we'll see. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's, you know, all things considered, can't complain too much. Like it's been a hard year for a lot of people and we'll just keep moving forward. Keep so. moving forward. Um, indeed. Well, Hey, I will let you get going and let you get back to it. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's good to catch up. And I, I know because I, I see many of the emails that get sent to me, um, where a lot of folks have been just like, Hey, what's going on here. And so I know there's going to be a lot of people that will be grateful to get an update from you on sort of the state of the union. So, um, thanks for doing that. And, um, yeah, man, I think I'm going to go pack. I hope when you get to Austria that you can still get out. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, and if I can't, you know. I mean, worst places to be, but yeah, good luck on the travel. Thank you. Yeah, I know. It's all a bit crazy, but it's all for the sake of some very cool things that we are going to be talking about pretty early in the new year. So yeah, you, you, you know a bit about that, but, um, we'll, we'll make some things public and, uh, Good to catch up. Say hi to Jeff for us from everybody at Blister and uh, say hello to the crew over there. And um, let's uh, let's not take whatever it's been two or three years to do the next one of these. Has it really been that long? I don't know. I just kind of I have no that. idea how long it's been. Well, uh, let's hope I, I have skis on the way to you soon because that will, uh, I know you want to test them. So Yeah, and stop, stop getting the angry emails. So I'm all for stopping the angry emails. What you don't know is the angry emails are just me. I just create fake accounts. And I'm like, yeah. Just to, I, just to make you feel bad. Yeah. And it's like, wow, the demand for ON3P skis is off the hook. But it's just your you're 7,000 fake accounts. Very busy, man. <laughs> All right, man. Hey, get some rest. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good. All right, man. Bye-bye. All right. Take care. All right, it is now time for our What We're Celebrating This Week segment. And I am currently in Caprun, Austria. And it is Thursday, December 30th at 11.30 p.m. And I currently have in my hand water. Because we have been doing some serious whiskey tasting here in Austria. Me and Matt Manzer. This is my first time ever in Austria. This is surely the most scotch or scotches. Do, I don't even know if we say scotch or scotches. I'm still a rookie here when it comes to that. Matt and I have been sampling these for the last two nights. I, of course, brought over a bottle of Whistlepig 15-year-old rye to bring into the mix. And so this has been a really good time to catch up with Matt. He and I have now recorded nine conversations remotely. So we thought for the 10th, Maybe I ought to come do this one in person. We just had a couple good days of some very extensive boot fitting. Uh, I skied today with Matt 
my first time ever skiing anywhere in Europe. So, yo, it's been a great trip so far. We've got New Year's Eve tomorrow. Just a whole lot to be thankful for, and uh, it's fun getting over to this little corner of the world. And yes, of course, while we're here, we are going to be recording another Gear 30 episode. I think the plan is that we're going to record this on January 1st, uh, and then that will be going up this next Friday. So stay on the lookout for that. Just a whole lot of stuff to be thankful for this week. And in addition, it's just been snowing like mad back in Crested Butte. So you're welcome, everybody. I was the sacrificial lamb that left, which I'm sure is the reason all the snow has come. And so, yeah, you know, y'all are welcome. I'm looking out for you guys. And that then brings us to the end of this edition of Gear 30. I want to say thanks to Scott Andrus for the conversation. Thanks to the strikingly handsome Justin Bob for producing this episode. And from everybody back home in Gunnison and Crested Butte, Colorado, please take good care of yourself and everybody else. And we will talk to you again real soon. Bye, everybody, and have a great day. Great New Year's.